Good morning, afternoon, and evening, and welcome to the 8311 cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Mike Ludwig, Ariane Barry, and Wyatt Teeter as we talk about the NBA, the MLB, and of course, our signature segments, Mike's Stupid Rules, and Write That Down Predictions, here on episode 230. Everybody heard this past week, or everybody who's at least a Chicago Cubs fan, or anyone else who follows the 8311 cast on Twitter at 8311cast, that the Cubs have won at Yankee Stadium for the first time ever in the entire history of all that is history. I do have a question, though. How many games have the Chicago Cubs played in Yankee Stadium? How many? How many? Well, I guess I can't say going back, right? But previous to this year's rule change, they probably only played there for three or four games every six years. But way back when, I don't know. I have no earthly idea. I don't even uh, know how to 24. pick a range. I Mike don't know. Says 24. I'll say 124. Keep in mind, there was no real was way no for the Cubs. Play, there was yeah. no interleague play oh, until 1997. Right. Yeah, 24 is probably too many, too. 24 is too many. Yeah. They, the first game at Yankee Stadium was in 2005. Going through now, we have a total of eight games that have been played. Eight. Oh, wow. I would have guessed it was a few more than that. I That's what I was thinking, too. I, I was also surprised when I saw that. So I would have guessed it was, well, I would have guessed it was closer to 24. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. So they started playing in regular season in 2003. They've obviously played previously in, in postseason play. 2003 was the first game, regular season game, Cubs uh, versus the Yankees in the first game at Yankee Stadium in 2005 with the first Chicago win in Yankee Stadium on July 7th, 2023, just a couple days ago. So that that number eight also took me by surprise. Seems low, but who knows? It's probably right. I trust whatever source you use. I have no idea what source you do use, but I trust it. Well, nice. Interesting. So I shouldn't be that shocked that they only won their first game. It sounds a lot less impressive when you say they won one time out of eight. Right. Well, even back then it was like one time out of six, right? Yeah. I would stick to, uh, I would stick to the first time in the history of ever. That sounds way better. Uh, That's better than the twins, uh, winning percentage against, uh, the Yankees. So, you know, not too surprised. Anyway, um, that's that's we'll, we'll come back to baseball in a little bit. Um, but before we get there, because we get a lot to talk about, um, at least some talk about baseball. Ariane, NBA seems to just like never stop. Can you tell us what they're doing now? And then can they stop, please? Because I want to be done talking about it because I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, uh, the NBA, like all leagues, it seems like their goal is to occupy some media space at literally all points of the year. The NFL draft expanded to multiple days just for that reason, to have more to talk about. But the NBA is now doing summer league, so we have a lot of young players, rookies, second-year guys, guys who are just fighting for contracts. Currently out in Las Vegas, a couple other places, playing some games, getting their first taste of NBA action. We got to see Victor Wimbanyama finally play against some more or less NBA-caliber athletes, and he's had a couple games. One, he didn't look great. Another one, he did look great. It is officially overreaction season on these 18 and 19-year-olds who have barely played any games and haven't actually played a real NBA game yet. 
Everybody says either Wimbanyama looks terrible or Wimby looks great. Scoot Miller is a way better player than Brandon Miller. They totally botched the draft pick. I would say if anybody is watching and making any thoughts or changing your mind, don't change your mind because of Summer League. It has never really proven to carry over to the regular season. You know, we have guys who have totally dominated in the regular season and in the summer league season and not done well at all in the regular season. So it's fun to watch basketball and it's fun to see some young guys play, but don't don't put too much stock in it. And I think Gabe is on the the Warriors. I saw him on the bench the other day, so I don't think he got any run in that game. But it's also a time where you can see some guys who might not make a roster, get, get a couple minutes and get some shots up. So enjoy that if you're looking for some basketball before we get the NBA season and the college season started. And then bigger news. Well, hold on, hold on. Hold on yeah, hold on. yeah. Don't, 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 don't. Didn't they, aren't the Spurs already shutting down Wembenyana too? His summer league is over. He's not hurt, yes, but they're just like, yeah, true. that's enough. They are going to shut him down for the rest of summer league after two games. He played an entire French league season and just finished up playing games i want to say a week and a half two weeks before the draft so he's been playing basketball for quite a while already so they want to get him some rest in before the season starts and it is the spurs as well who kind of pioneered load management so don't expect victor to play 80 games this season probably don't expect him to play 75 games this season i wouldn't be surprised if we see him play quite a bit less making sure that he does not get injured because he is Still kind of skinny, as you tend to be when he officially measured at seven three and a half with no shoes on. So with shoes on, he's probably pretty darn close to seven five. But uh, he's injured. Scoot Thompson got an injury, and I think he's out for the whole rest of Summer League. And I want to say Eamon Thompson or Osser Thompson. I don't remember which one because they're twins, and I don't know which one's which. I want to say they maybe also got injured. So good start <laughs> to Summer League. There are always going to be a little injuries like that, but. I don't think it'll be a big deal. I think everybody's going to be ready by the beginning of the regular season. Anything else, Mike? Wyatt? No, that's only summer league question. How long does summer league go, I guess? I don't know. I think it's like a week, a couple weeks, maybe. It's not very long. I don't remember how many games they play. I think it's like six. Oh, that's not many at all. No, it's it's just a little thing to get rookies acclimated, get them with the team working out in an environment like that, and then you can... Take a look at some guys that are really on their fringes and decide who you want to put some two ways on or who you want to fill out the end of your bench with. Is Gabe going to get a two way or not? I don't know. I haven't seen how he's performed. I think that he could perform well on a two way if he, you know, we all are very familiar with good Gabe and bad Gabe. Good Gabe is definitely worthy of a two way if he just plays like bad Gabe and shoots 20% from three. Uh, His defense isn't that good to be worth an NBA contract, unfortunately. So hopefully, you know, Golden State has some pretty good shooters. Hopefully they have good shooting coaches as well. And if he can lock on there and lock in his shooting to be more consistent, I guess, he'll get some playing time. We saw Matt Thomas get a little bit of playing time in the NBA over the years, bouncing back and forth between the NBA and International League. So it's possible. I, I wouldn't count on it, but... It could happen. The big news in the NBA world this week, other than Summer League, was that they officially announced some details for the midseason tournament that will happen for the first time next year. It will feature all 30 teams, and it's going to debut this season. 
It's going to tip off Friday, November 3rd, and it'll culminate with a championship on Saturday, December 9th. I'll kind of go down how this works. To be honest, I haven't read a ton about it, so we're all learning together here. But uh, it starts with group play. If you're familiar with how tournaments work and like soccer, it's going to be very similar to that. There will be 30 teams that have been randomly drawn into groups of five within their conference based on win-loss records from the 2022 and 2023 regular season. So on November 3rd to November 28th, each team will play four designated group play games on tournament nights. So one game against each opponent in its group, but two games at home and two on the road. And those groups, I will hit them real quick. Memphis, Phoenix, Lakers, Jazz, Blazers is one. The second one is Nuggets, Clippers, Pelicans, Mavericks, Rockets. The third in the West would be the Kings, the Warriors, the Timberwolves, the Thunder, and the Spurs. And then for the East, you have the 76ers, Cavaliers, Hawks, Pacers, Pistons, then the Bucks, Knicks, Heat, Wizards, Hornets, and then the Celtics, Nets, Raptors, Bulls, and Magic. If you're curious how they chose these groups, each team was placed into a quote-unquote pot or hat based on its record from the prior season. So pot one was the teams with the three best prior season records in the conference. Second was teams four through six, then seven through nine, then through 12 and 13 through 15 for both conferences so that they more or less had kind of even groupings and uh, not just like all the heavy hitters in one group and then nobody good in the next one. After we do the group play will be knockout. Yeah, what's up? Oh, the Kings. I was like, who's that top team in group six? But it's yeah, Kings. It is the I've Kings. Got the, I've got the Kings were good last year. I was going to say, surprisingly, the Kings are a good team uh, based off the rankings from next last year. And we'll see how they do this year. I was like, I looked at that group and I was like, well, the Warriors are the Warriors, but everybody else in that group sucks. <laughs> oh, wait, yeah. the Kings are good. What are you talking about? They got the Timberwolves in there, baby. They're going to win. Stuck. They're going to be good this year. No injuries. Cat and Gobert together. It'll work they're this gonna year. Play three, they're going to play three centers on the floor at the same time, Cat says. Oh, they're just going to play what? Gobert at the center, Nas Reed at the four, and go and then Cat at the three? I don't know. So they're going to play all three of them on the floor at the same time. Yeah, I'd love to see Cat guard a small forward. I'm sure that'll go really well. Mm, yeah. He's so good at defense as it is. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, that'll be fun to watch if that happens. Sounds great. Who do they put? It doesn't matter. Uh <laughs> After the group play, we'll move to knockout rounds, as you generally do in a tournament. Um, Eight teams will advance to the knockout rounds. The team with the best standing in group play in each of the six group, and then two wild cards. The team from each conference with the best record that finished second in its group. The knockout rounds will be single elimination games in the quarterfinals, which will be played on December 4th and 5th, semifinals, and championship. The qualifying teams will compete for a prize pool and new in-season tournament trophy titled, very boringly, the NBA Cup. Not sure why we couldn't come up with a better name for it. You might have said this and I missed it. Do, and what if any of these games count for regular season record? All 67 games across both stages of the in-season tournament will count toward the regular season standings except the championship. Each team will continue to play 82 regular season games in the 2023-2024 season, including those games that are part of group play and the knockout rounds. So then everyone goes into the knockout rounds? Great question, actually. How does that work? 
And then they just what, – what, if I get eliminated in the first round of the knockout, so then I've suddenly I've played less games, they got to tack on games with people who got knocked out in the knockout. This, this seems like a scheduling disaster to include the knockouts in the – I agree. I, 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 nothing about this makes any sense to me, period. Right? In an era where they're already having enough trouble getting players to play every game – they're going to add this tournament, which potentially adds more games. I, I don't like anything about this. Are they at least getting rid of the All-Star game to do this? I don't think so. Because it's in November and December, right? It isn't even the, the All-Star game is in February. February, yeah. So that's early in the year, too. Yeah. I'm trying to see, because your question about if you get knocked out, where do those games go? That's a great question. I don't know the answer to that right off the bat. Uh, this makes no sense to me. It doesn't. Like, like, like in the soccer ones, they like they just they just don't count as regular season games. It's like okay, you just play more games, but also generally they're like people from different leagues that wouldn't normally play each other in this tournament. So it adds yeah, some so intrigue, fun, yeah. Right, but this just seems stupid. It's just more games, right? That you're calling a tournament. Yes, like the fact that these games are regular season games matter more than the fact that they're in this tournament, right? Yeah, and we don't know what the quote-unquote prize pool is, but with the way that NBA contracts have been going, that better be a, a heck of a lot of money for these dudes to care any more than they would for a regular season game. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Blah, 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 tiebreakers. We'll worry about that if we see it. Eight teams will advance to the knockout rounds. The team with the best standing in group play games in each of the six groups and one wild card. But where do the losers go? So hold on. That was only seven teams. Or one wild card from each conference? Maybe? One, Yeah, from each. Sorry. Okay. Gotcha. The 22 teams that do not qualify for the knockout rounds will each play two regular season games. During the knockout round? I guess. So then that the really makes get, no sense. So then the teams in the so then your schedule theoretically gets easier by getting knocked out in the knockout yes. before the knockout. This may I, it doesn't make any sense. I am so confused by literally all of this. A formulaic approach will determine the matchups for these games using the group play standings in each conference five through fifteen. Two of the 22 games will be scheduled cross-conference since there will be an odd number of teams in each conference that do not advance. Another stupid thing about the numbers they've picked. These cross-conference games will be scheduled between bottom-finishing teams in group play stage subject to travel constraints. And no team will play more than one of its two games cross-conference. The other 20 games will be scheduled within conference Featuring teams that are otherwise scheduled to play each other three times over the course of the season, whenever possible. The four teams that lose in the quarterfinals will each play a regular season game on Friday, December 8th against the opponent in their same conference. Who also lost? Okay. This is like drastically overcomplicated. We've now gotten everybody to the same number of games at least, so we figured yeah. that out. But it's such a peculiar thing, like you said. These are just regular season games. There's really nothing different about them. They're even being held home and away. So by as far as the flow of the season goes, literally nothing changes. They just say, it's tournament time now. And I guess teams are like, cool, we'll play harder? I don't know. 
Let's see, prizing and league honors. Here we go. For the 2023-2024 season, the in-season tournament prize pool will be allocated to the players on the teams that participate in the knockout rounds, with allocations increasing depending on how far a team progresses in the tournament. At the conclusion of the in-season tournament, the NBA will name the MVP of the competition and the all-tournament team. Okay. Wow. There's a whole all-tournament team. Uh, Selection will be based on the player's performance. Duh. In both group play and knockout rounds. (laughs) So at least there, there's something in theory in the future. There can be small contract stipulations, I guess, tied to this stuff. Sure. It seems on first blush, a silly idea. I I like the idea. The execution feels weird where they've put it. Maybe we're wrong and maybe it'll be really exciting. And, you know, you'll capture that lightning in a bottle and, we can pretend like this is the NCAA tournament, uh, but I don't see that happening when we're just going to see these teams play other teams right afterwards if they get knocked out. This seems like a really good way for the league to get some title sponsors, and that's it. Yeah, that's fair. Who is the title sponsor? Uh, doesn't look like it has one yet. Oh, okay, they're working on that still? Yeah, they're, they're working on the bidding still. You'll hear like guaranteed rate midseason tournament quarterfinals sponsored by T-Mobile played on, you know, I mean, yeah, that's NBA what it's going to be. Court. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It doesn't have one yet, though. So we'll see. I mean, I don't have that much faith when they named the trophy the NBA Cup. So you never know. <laughs> Maybe they won't have any good names right now. Like we said, as I'm looking at it, it doesn't make me super hyped for it. Kind of seems like a dumb idea. However. A lot of people were pretty critical of the play-in as well, and I'm a huge play-in proponent. I like it. I think those games are super fun. Um, So maybe it is exciting. Maybe it is fun. But those are actual elimination games. This is a fake elimination tournament. Or like we said, you don't even like go home and not do anything if you get knocked out. You just play teams that also got knocked out. Which, are they just not televised? Is that the, the punishment? Like, you don't get TV revenue. Right? I mean, but most NBA games already are just local broadcasts, right? With this many games going on, the group stage games are just going to be locally broadcast like normal, with the exception of, like, the few that they'll put in primetime like they do for any other regular season game. Yeah. So I I don't even see that. The only difference is that the championship and the semis are being played in Las Vegas. Other than that, it's all home and away games. Yeah. Side note, I never would have thought that NBA would be the last team to Las Vegas, the last league to Las Vegas. Yeah. But it looks like they're going to be anyway. I'm sure they're gearing up. I bet I bet we see expansion in the NBA within five years. 32 is just a nicer number. Yeah, I like it a lot better. Even though I don't think Kansas City or St. Louis are going to get a team, which I would like, but that's probably not going to happen. We're not first in line. <laughs> Who is besides Seattle? Seattle, Las Vegas, if they wanted to do some international, they could put a team back in uh, Vancouver. They could go south of the border. Some people have said Mexico City, but Mexico City is like three times the elevation of Denver. So I think that uh, some players would have issues there if they think it's hard in Denver. And then I'm sure there are some other big markets that they'd love to expand to, but... I think Seattle and uh, Vegas are the top two for sure. Fair enough. Uh, just to be clear, 
Denver's what, like five thousand feet MSL? It's uh, a mile high. Like that, yeah. Fifty-two eighty. I think. I don't think Mexico City's fifteen thousand feet MSL. I don't know, man. It's high. <laughs> it is high. <laughs> is it higher than Denver, though? Is it? I, I bet it is. Let me look here. Mexico it is seven thousand three hundred and forty-nine feet. Which is slightly less high than that, that, three that times is, as much. That is like one point four times as much. Yeah, it's it's not half the elevation of Mount Everest. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's high though. It is. You want to see, you know, somebody from New Orleans go play there? They'll die. Zion Williamson's conditioning already on The man's gonna be out within three minutes. We'll even get three minutes in. He'll just do one dunk during warm-ups and say we're good. <laughs> It'll be like, uh, he'll just be on the sidelines with the oxygen mask, like when a defensive, you know, lineman ends up with the ball and has to run it to the end zone. He'll just be there <laughs> on the bench in those tiny, tiny chairs, just breathing in that oxygen mask, trying not to pass out. <laughs> do we have any other thoughts on this brilliant, stroke of marketing that we're calling the mid-season tournament. How long have they been kicking around this idea? I have heard it for probably about two years. I'm sure they've been talking about it for a little bit longer, but I've heard whispers of it for probably about two, maybe three years. And they finally decided to bust it out, which they have to have been thinking about it for longer than that, because that's a pretty, pretty rapid rollout from conception to or concept to idea. I mean, I hadn't heard anything about it until like a week ago when the details started getting leaked and i was like what so okay now that i know they've been planning it for a little longer that makes me feel a little bit better yeah with that we will go ahead and move on to the mlb mike you want to take it from here yeah so going back to baseball we are in the saddest four days in sports where there are no sports on because the MLB is officially at the All-Star break. We are at the unofficial midpoint of the season. I say unofficial because we're actually we're actually ever so slightly past the uh the mid the actual midway point of the season. Yeah, by games. But anyway, the All-Star break is a good time to take a look at where everything stands across baseball right now and um take stock and and look at what we've got going forward. So currently across the the, uh, league, in the American League, Tampa Bay is leading the East with Baltimore only two games back. Um, In the West, Texas, the Rangers are leading with Houston only two games back. And in the lowly AL Central, Cleveland is leading it at uh, 45 and 45. I think this is the first time ever. No team in a uh, there's a division where no team has been above 500 at the All Star break. Uh, I'm pretty sure pretty sure that is the case here with the uh, AL Central this year. The Twins are only half a game behind them at 45 and 46. So that division race is far from over, but um, that's certainly a sad division. The three wild card teams in the AL, if the season ended today would be Baltimore with the first wild card. And then Houston and Toronto right now would be tied for the second and third wild card. I don't know who would have the, uh, who would have the tiebreaker, but it doesn't really matter because it's halfway through the season. Any questions about the American League? In the race for the bottom, currently the Royals are a game ahead of the Angels. The Royals are at 26, or sorry, the A's. The Royals are 26 and 65, and Oakland's 25 and 67. 
Um, so those two teams are quite close to each other, but uh, right now slightly favoring the Royals for worst record in baseball. It's honestly impressive that the Royals are so close to the athletics since they don't even seem to want to try and field the baseball team half the time. And, you know, in theory, like, it seems like the Royals would be trying to foster young talent, whereas the athletics are doing nothing except getting their, you know, fans to want them to go away. (laughs) So you, it's impressive how bad the Royals have been this season. I also like that the second to last team in the AL West has the second or the same record as uh, the twins in second place in the central. (laughs) At 45 and 46. The Angels, too, have been, and they've been falling apart to get there. The Angels are one and nine in their last 10 to get to that point. So there's also uh, also that factor going on there that, uh, yeah. I mean, the Angels are showing again how valuable Mike Trout is because he goes out and they fall apart. Just like it's, uh, just like it's always been for the Angels. And they're likely to miss the playoffs again this year. Which brings me to something I'll talk about. I'll talk more about the Angels in a minute. Um, over in the National League, in the East, Atlanta is leading that division, and I believe all of baseball, yes, and all of baseball right now at sixty and twenty-nine. Um, Miami is in second, eight and a half games back there. In the NL Central, surprisingly, the Cincinnati Reds are leading that division. Um, The Brewers are only a game back there, so another close division, but the Reds there. And in the West, the Dodgers are percentage points ahead of the Arizona Diamondbacks for first place in that division. Um, So a virtual tie between those two teams. The three wildcard teams in that division, the first wildcard team would be the right now the Miami Marlins at 53 and 39. Um, the Diamondbacks would currently be the second team um, at, 50, uh, at 52 and 39 with the San Francisco, I almost said the San Francisco 49ers. The San Francisco <laughs> Giants would be the third wildcard team with the Brewers and Philadelphia Phillies only a half a game behind them. Um, the biggest surprise to me in the National League, um, it either boy, it's got to be the Cardinals to me. How yeah. just how bad the Cardinals have been. Sorry, Ariane, but yeah, you you could say Arizona, you could say Cincinnati, but really to me, it's it's St. Louis or, or Cincinnati. I would have to agree that it's it's probably St. Louis. Even if you said that you didn't think the Cardinals were going to be very good this year, I don't think that 38 and 52 at the All-Star break is what you would have meant. It probably would have been closer to around 500, and they just weren't in first place in the division, which is kind of what people were pegging them for uh, before the season started. So pretty big disappointment there, uh, for sure, and not something that I don't think anybody saw coming in the national media not that i heard at least anybody talking about no not this much of a collapse if you told me they weren't going to make the playoffs i'd have said okay yeah close race they they came up on the outside wouldn't be shocking but to be racing for bottom record in the nl uh, would not have been something i would have guessed Agreed. And right now, they don't have the worst record. Colorado and Washington are both worse, but it's relatively close. They're within, yeah. they're within 
four games. Four games, four and a half games of Colorado for the worst record in the National League. So that's not great. And they've been on a tear recently, five and five in their last ten games. Pretty good for them. <laughs> hmm Um, so what other major storylines have you guys seen across Major League Baseball? What questions do you have at the halfway point of the season? Do you think that Otani gets traded? I was going to get to that in my trade deadline segment. Oh, sorry. Yeah. That's the biggest one, I feel like. Yeah. To me, I think if you would have asked me, like I said, if you would have asked me two weeks ago if Otani would get traded, I would say, no, I don't think he's going to get traded. The Angels are right in this. They're going to try to make the playoffs for the first time in a while. Now they've sort of fallen out of contention. If Trout's out another month at least, if not more, Right, I could see him fall another four or five games further behind before the trade deadline. At that point, they'd be 10 games out of the wild card. Why not, right? Yeah. Even if it's just a rental, you're going to get a good package for him if you're the Angels, right? The Angels have made it pretty clear they're not re-signing him, right? Why not move? If you're not going to make the playoffs, I, I expect Otani to get traded, yes. Do you think that they will trade? Prout as well, and just blow up the whole thing. It's tough to trade an injured player. Yeah. I'll say that. I will say it's a little bit easier when it's Mike Trout. True. But now Trout, I mean, Trout's got to, like, I talked about it in the preseason, why I thought Trout could get traded, because he's trying, the owner's trying to sell the franchise, and his contract is not great from a financial perspective from an, uh, for somebody trying to buy the team, Right. Um, but I don't know if they're going to get what they want for somebody like Mike Trout, especially as he's injured. Cause now he's yeah. got, he's got a pretty bad injury history at this point. He does for sure. Right. And he's got a massive contract. He's a phenomenal player. Don't get me wrong, but he's got a massive contract and he's got an injury history. So I don't know if you're going to get what you need to get just from the headline of Mike Trout traded. Right. Yeah. Even just from a PR perspective, you need to get a lot to trade Mike Trout under contract forever. You know, uh, that's, I mean, Otani, I was going to do a whole thing about the trade deadline. Otani is the biggest name we're looking for to get moved at the trade deadline. Other people that we could look at getting moved um, would be from St. Louis. I've heard rumors um, that uh, Paul Goldschmidt could be getting moved from St. Louis. He's got a year and a half left on his deal so he would certainly fetch more money uh, or more money more prospect capital because he's got that extra year left um boy what does san diego do you know do they're eight and a half out of the division and six out of the wild card they have a lot of big names if they decide to sell knowing them they're not going to decide to sell but it's just uh just an interesting thing to think about. Arizona could be big buyers um, at the deadline. They'll see them in or near first place and decide they're going to go for it. Um, what does anybody in the AL Central do? Right, Both Cleveland and Minnesota have a legitimate chance to win that division, but are they good enough to do anything in the playoffs? Um, probably not. So do you buy? Do you sell? Do you stand pat? What does Baltimore do? Last year when they were in this position, they sold. Um, 
I guess they were in slightly weaker position last year, but a similar position they decided to sell. So what do they do this year? There's a lot of lot of interesting questions still open here. One thing that I've noticed that have really hasn't been a major storyline almost since the season has actually started has been, you know, the rule changes. Obviously we've talked about it. It's come up in different games, but it hasn't been so disruptive and, you know, doomsday catastrophe like some people were making it out to be before the season. Uh, I don't think anybody's had huge issues with it. I don't think there's been a lot of complaints from fans. I I saw a lot of things that people liked about the rule changes, uh, at least from a time perspective. And that's kind of interesting after the biggest changes probably in, you know, the sport's recent history for sure. Uh, not a huge deal. True. But and I, I guess I can't say for sure if this is attributed specifically to the rule change or not, right? But um, this year so far, we have had 141 um, ejections in Major League Baseball at the All-Star break. At the All-Star break last year, we were closer to 100, right? So we are on pace for significantly more ejections this year um, than we were last year and in previous years. Well, that's how many of them are related to the pitch clock or associated rules. I have no idea. I don't have those numbers. We have seen a lot more ejections this year, and that's the major, right? That's the only big thing that's changed in rules. So coincidence? I don't know, but something to keep an eye on as the season goes on. I will also be interested at the end of the season to see how injury numbers shake out. At the beginning of the season, there were some people who said, when you're asking these pitchers to speed up their you know, their whatever mechanics and stuff like that, when they're already throwing so hard, they don't have as much rest time in between. I think we're going to see more injuries. I don't know what that looks like at the midseason break, but I'll be curious if there are really any kind of different numbers or any kind of spike in that at the end of the year as well. For the record, we, we, we had 176 total ejections last year. Total for the season. Okay, so we're definitely and we're, above and, and pace. We're at, and we're at 141. As of as of Sunday before the All Star break, so yeah, and injury numbers again we'll have to look at. I haven't seen any articles about the baseballs whether we've had juiced or non juiced baseballs. I was wondering about that as well. I didn't remember hearing anything. I haven't seen anything um, any articles about that. Um, so we'll keep an eye on that too for sure and uh, see if that comes out. We should have plenty of data for it. So the fact that I haven't seen anything. Probably means the baseballs have been pretty normal, but you know I don't know that. So honestly, it was a very surprising nothing story at the end of the year last year when they were like, "Hey, they were using juice balls for like a ton of Yankees games," and we were like, "Yay, Darren Judge broke new records, and he just happened to get the best baseballs for it like on a consistent basis." And uh-huh. then we all just moved on from that. Like that is not a story at all. When I feel like it probably should have been talked about a little bit more since there was clear, concise statistical evidence for this. Yes, that's a semi-major scandal. And somehow they managed to get away with no one caring about it. So Uh good for Manfred, I guess, really doing his job. Yeah. That's all I had across uh, Major League Baseball going into the All-Star break. You guys have any other questions? Anything you want me to discuss here um, in our MLB segment? I'm all good. 
But my last question is, how long is this home run derby going to last? I'm watching it live right now. It's been going on for almost an hour, and we're halfway through the first round. It's taking forever. This thing is going to take like four hours. The home run derby is going to be longer than, an av- than your average MLB game. Especially this year. It's uh-huh. weird how a timed event can last this long. We have timers. How many commercials can you fit in? And how much illegal fraternizing between players can happen in between and everything? <laughs> Remember, we've talked about this in stupid rules. That's against major league rules. And yes, I don't care that they do it. They should change the rule. But it's in the rule book, and it's against the rules. If you notice, they still have a, an official, an umpire out in the background, like uh, I, I'm putting his hand up and then pointing at the pitcher every yeah. time, like that actually matters. Like we're doing that, but we're not enforcing the rules that are in the book. Well, have you noticed, right? He's basically just pointing yeah. like right away he's like wait yeah. okay go wait yeah, okay, go. He's, like, he's, not, he's not waiting for anything he's just yeah, like go ahead go ahead go yeah. ahead pause time play pause time play yeah speaking of mike stupid rules though we're of course gonna do um mike stupid rules right now in this episode as well uh, i don't know what you guys talked about last week what did you talk about last week i didn't listen sorry we took a poll on what stupid rules we would change that, mm. that are currently in existence. Okay. What what was picked? I'll, I'll go back and listen to the episode. I won't bore our listeners. Well, we can recap r- r- real quick just to get your thoughts on it. I said that either the NCAA should have a catch rule that's two feet in to match the NFL or the NFL should have a one-foot catch rule to match NCAA. Okay. I want to hear all of them first to see. Mine was that we should – Get rid of the possession arrow in college bas- basketball and uh, implement a jump ball. And then why attack onto that that I agreed with? Men's, ba- men's college basketball needs to go to quarters. I don't know why they don't do quarters. I do like the quarters in the women's game. I have yeah. liked that. And then Kyle said that we need to be better. Formula One needs to be better about enforcing track limits. Um, I think we came to the conclusion that tracks need more natural consequences for breaching track limits. And funny enough, a couple days after the episode, we actually saw a post that uh, they will be changing some Formula One tracks to have gravel closer to the track to essentially have more natural consequences, as we discussed. So uh, somebody from Formula One apparently listens to the podcast. Oh, we'll have you on. We'll interview yeah. you. Thanks to mm-hmm. him or her. Anyway. Um, agree with both of Arian's. I, I don't know on yours, Wyatt. Um, I'd prefer the college go to the NFL than the NFL go to the college, but I don't think either needs to happen. Um, and I don't know enough about F1 to make any comment on Kyle's. So that's, Kyle's was a good one, definitely. That's pretty much what I said as well. I I didn't agree with uh, Wyatt's necessarily, and I said, you guys would know best for F1, so I believe you. <laughs> Yep, mine was the weakest of the three by far. Ariane, I think, was the strongest. Yeah. I'd vote for both of those for sure. Anyway, we're going to get back to actual rules in Mike's Stupid Rules this week. And we're once again going to talk about interference versus abstraction. Um, so, you know, as we've talked about um, before, that um, it is interference um, on the base runner when they when they interfere with um the primary fielder's ability to field the ball right we've talked about that before 
Specifically coming into first base, right? We've talked about that a lot. We've talked about a first base, but it could happen anywhere, right? Like a ground right, a ground ball towards third with the runner on second and the mm-hmm. runner runs into the third baseman. Right? Mm-hmm. So the, the two clarifications that I want to make about this rule um that um I think are important to make. Um that I don't think I made previously when I discussed it. That's why we're going back to what we've already talked about. One you don't actually have to make contact with the fielder for this rule to ha- for this rule to take effect, right? For example, if the fielder has to alter their path to avoid, um, or if the, the fielder yeah alters their path to avoid a runner, or you know looks up to avoid contact and therefore misses the ball, things like that, that could be called interference on the runner. You do not need contact for interference. Contact will almost always be interference, um, but you do not need contact for an interference call. The second thing I want to clarify is the fielder actually has to be making a play on the ball. And what I mean by this is if the fielder has already misplayed the batted ball, if the fielder has bobbled the batted ball, if the fielder has already missed the batted ball, like it went under their glove before the contact occurs, and um, and it's judged that the actions of the runner didn't cause them to miss the ball, right? As previously discussed, then that is then um, the contact would be allowed, and it would actually be um, obstruction on the fielder in that case, or on the yeah on the fielder in that case, right? They're only given that protection if they are actively making a play on a batted ball. So as soon as that ball goes past them, goes in between your legs, if the runner runs into you, then then you're to blame, and it's going to be called obstruction on you. You're only protected as long as you're making a play on the ball. That's that's the thing I want to make. Not you were making a play on the ball, and you're not anymore. Nope, only actively making a play on the ball. If you've already thrown the ball to first, and then the runner runs into you, that that's on you. Any questions on that? Nah, makes sense. Just like a pass interference in football, right? You have to make a play on the ball, otherwise you're going to get PI if you're... Uh... I would say it's pretty much just like that. Yup. Good stuff. Thank you, thank you. Ian, uh, any questions from you? Are you good? I'm all good. I guess we'll move along to our write-the-down predictions and accountability session then, right? Yep. It's always good to hold us accountable. All right. We will hold you accountable. And by hold you accountable, I mean I'm not going to hold you accountable because there's nothing. Unless I missed something, there's nothing that came off the board this week. So that's it. Good job, everybody. We didn't get anything wrong. All right. I know. Very, very good. Arian, do you want to start um, getting our predictions back on the board? I would love to. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and predict uh, that the NL will win the All-Star game. I mean, this is probably right. Unless you have something I don't know. This is basically just a 50-50 toss-up, right? So single. As far as I know, yeah. Single it is. History doesn't bear that out, but in theory, yes. It's a, it's a coin toss. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to go ahead and predict the exact opposite, which I had written down first, by the way, that the AL wins the All-Star game. It'll be their 10th straight win if they get it. Yeah, I guess uh, I'll give it a single. Yep. Sounds good. Single it is. Do you have anything from Josh this week? Is he still alive? 
Yep, he is still alive, and he said he is going big this week, predicting the Packers will win the NFC North. I uh, I don't anticipate that happening. What, what are we thinking, though? Is this a double? I agree that it's not like there's a triple. I'm thinking it's not a home run, I don't no. know. Who do we think has the best chance, right? Probably either... Minnesota or Minnesota, Detroit, Detroit, I guess. It's, the odds would say Detroit, then Minnesota, yeah. Yeah. Although, both of those teams I could see crashing and burning. Um, the Bears are just feel like they're going to be pretty mid this season. Just like every season? Well, that's usually their ceiling. But yeah, <laughs> more or less every season. And then I feel like the Packers, like, are we excited about... Uh, Love, I'm blanking on his first name. Jordan. Okay, I could only think of Caleb Love, and he's not he's not there, but... No. Uh, I don't know. I don't like it. I don't know that I... I'm between a double and a triple, I feel like. I don't know how low I am on the Packers. I'd, I'd look at 538, but like 538 like got rid of like all the sports content, which is very sad. Thanks, 538. And 538's parent company, who decided that, who I don't remember who it is. Do the New York Times owed 538? Uh, I really don't know. The New York Times laid off their entire, or not laid off, but got rid of their entire sports staff today. They, they shuffled them to a different section, and then they're just going to make the athletic their sports section now. So, Which they do own the athletic. So. They do own the athletic, and uh, I believe the athletic just laid some people off a couple weeks before. So, oh. Well, speaking of layoffs, ESPN owns 538. Oh, there you go. Thanks. ESPN. And by that we mean, hey, what do you know, Disney? Disney owns ESPN. Loves laying people off and cutting costs, so it doesn't surprise anyone. I mean, pretty much every part of Disney except their amusement parks and Marvel loses money. So, But uh, now that we've gone off on a tangent about Mickey Mouse, uh, I don't know, what do you guys think? I don't know. Strongly one way or the other? Not particularly. I'll give him a triple. Sure. Cool and works for me. I'm pretty sure I saw a video a couple of days ago about Disney actually being like a law firm, basically. Kind of like how McDonald's is basically a real estate company. Yeah. Yeah. Ch- check that out if you get a chance. Also, check out the Reno Air Races happening this year sometime in September, which is very cool. You don't even know the date. Uh, it's like September 20-something. I, I could look it up if you give me a hot second. I'll be watching Cyclone Football. That- that's valid. Um, September 13th through the 17th. I missed the boat last week on obscure sports, so this is going to be my obscure sports prediction. I'm going to put down that a yellow-colored airplane will win the Stoll Drag in the 2023 Reno Air Races. Stoll, S-T-O-L, is an acronym for short takeoff and landing, which is basically a contest where you have a plane that can take off in a very short amount of distance and then land also in a very short amount of distance. The plane that can do the shortest takeoff and shortest landing wins, basically. Last year, it did so happen that a plane that was colored yellow did win. But there's really no other meaning behind this prediction other than airplanes are cool. Does plane color mean something or is it no. just whatever it happens to be? No? Okay. Yeah, it, it, it means nothing. Just Some of the planes aren't even painted. Good question. Well, that makes it very challenging to... Um... How many years have a yellow plane won this competition? I have absolutely no idea. How many planes compete in this competition? So last year there was 15 in the in the stole drag for uh, for Reno. How many of them were yellow? I was going to say, can I know how many were yellow? I, I honestly do not know. 
Give us a guess. One. There was probably at least three or four, five, maybe. I'm going to go single. (laughs) Sure. And uh, it doesn't really matter. I was going to say, if you have an argument for why not, loved it. Um, Love to hear it. (laughs) So, I mean, just looking at the other pictures on the website, there is only one plane that I can find that's yellow. Uh, Everything else is red, white. There's a blue one. There's an orange one. America. There's there is an American plane. Trent Palmer uh, does have an American plane. But yeah, uh, you know, whatever. It doesn't really matter to me. It's just a prediction to show you the airplanes are cool. They just like go fast, get their wheels off the ground and then just go right back down is what they're doing. If you actually watch it, it's pretty cool. It's like a drag race where there's two planes that line up side by side. Oh, that's kind of take off really fast. Right. And they have to fly a certain distance. They have to land past a marker. Uh, they're both like on the same line. Turn around and then fly back and then land. And whoever's the first to stop wins. That does sound kind of fun. It actually is pretty cool. Would recommend. Interesting. Hit us up with the with a reminder closer to. We'll we'll that, check that's it out. That's what this prediction's yep. for. Um, but yeah, I'm just gonna stick with a single. <laughs> that's fine. Do anything from Kyle this week? Yeah, Kyle was not able to join us this week for, I don't exactly know what he had going on, but he's not able to join us for recording this week. It is summer and people are doing whatever and there's less stuff to talk about. So, But anyway, he did hop on and say that um, Lando Norris will win two podiums this year is his prediction. Lando has wins two podiums. Let me let me look at his exact word. Yeah. I believe that was his exact wording when he met, when he sent me a Snapchat. His exact wording was Lando Norris with two more podiums this season. Two more podiums. So he has one podium on the season so far in two this past race. More. There we go. We'll add that in there. Two more podiums. That that is certainly a possibility. That seems a lot more likely than two wins. How many races are left? Uh, 12, let me, let me double check. I'm pretty sure it's 12. Yes. 12, 12 races. McLaren has been the past two or three races. They, they've been, they've been up there. It's certainly a possibility. It seems unlikely. This is probably a triple. I'll trust your judgment on triple. Yeah. Triple. So be it. I will say that is a triple with Three singles and two triples. That concludes our Write That Down prediction segment, which means, yes, we're at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for dropping by this week's episode of the 8311Cast, episode 230. From now until next week's episode, be sure to check out our social media pages at 8311Cast on both Instagram and Twitter. Signing off for the 8311Cast, we have your hosts, Mike Ludwig, Ariane Barry, and Wyatt Teeter. We'll talk to you all again next week. Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones!